Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, lax rats alike, welcome back to another episode of The Crease Dive. Today is Monday, May 17th, and we just got done watching one of the most exciting games of the season, perhaps the history of lacrosse in uh, Loyola, Denver. So the first round of the NCAA tournament has just wrapped up, and they saved the best game for last, Loyola winning just a, a, a heart palpitating win over the Denver Pios on the road. Uh, Join with me right now. We've got Jake on the mics as always. We've also got Dukes making his pretty regular appearance at this point. Uh, so boys, unbelievable game to cap off a, um, you know, relatively exciting weekend. I, I, maybe, maybe a few more blowouts than we were expecting, but how are you guys feeling after that? Uh, that insane finish in Denver, Jake, take it away. I mean, you, you know how I'm feeling. It's, it's for the, for, you know, candidly, we're, we're recording at 10 15. So that's about two hours past my bedtime. So while like internally, I am just absolutely bugging, you know, like it's been a great game. It's been, it been a great weekend. Uh, physically I'm slowing down. Well, so, I think but, everyone needs to take your emotion on like a sliding scale where like yes. if it weren't for that game, you would be asleep right now. You'd be correct. Away. You, you'd be, you'd be hitting your REM cycle right now. Like you, you, so the fact that you're even awake right now, your eyes are open is a testament to how exciting that game was. It was a truly unreal game. Um, one of those games where you thought that a team was going to pull away, in this case, Loyola going up 9-4, and then Denver, you know, coming back and doing Denver stuff uh, to, to make it close, get some great performances out of Aiden Olmstead for Loyola and, and Jackson Morrill and Jack Hann on the, on the Denver side. I mean, far and away the best game so far. Um, and, and I think, I think that that's just because it had everything you wanted in a, a game, you know, a, uh, a, a comeback, uh, that, you know, uh, or sorry, a, a short lead to, to lull you asleep, a comeback to, uh, to get you back to the TV and then, you know, a heartbreaking finish, uh, depending on who you were looking for to win the game, uh, to, to finish that all up. But, um, Dukes, I mean, you, you. You know, you you said it on your Twitter. This is this is what we tweet about lacrosse for <laughs> like, nights like these. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I couldn't be more jazzed up right now. I like my heart's like pounding. Like I'm still like sweating. Like I'm hot. Like I got to take off my sweatshirt. That was the best lacrosse game of the year. And and if I had to show like an alien from outer outer space, and I had to sell them on the game of lacrosse, I would show them that Loyola Denver game because, like you said, it had everything you want in a lacrosse game. And I always compare lacrosse to college basketball game of runs. That's what we had. And you had a heartbreaking finish. I mean, as a goalie myself, you, as a shooter, you can have like that three, two, one buzzer beater moment, but as a goalie, you don't really have that moment. So like Schaefer, the fact that he wasn't able to start his senior day, the fact that he got pulled and then to end on a note like that, getting that like game clutching save to advance to the quarterfinals. I mean, I'm really happy for that guy. I mean, that was, that was an amazing, amazing lacrosse game. Yeah, and it's great, like, you know, as that game kept progressing in the second half, like, as TD really started to take over every single time that there was a face-off, you knew that Denver was getting a possession. Um, you know, uh, Kotler and Jackson Moore, like, the whole 
uh, Yale West really took over in that game. And then obviously Jack Hanna is also a freak. But like, so as that's going, you know, maybe I'm not giving Loyola as much credit as they deserve, especially, you know, the way that they ended their season with those wins over um, Army, Navy. And then who else did they beat there in that run? I, th- I think they Georgetown. Yeah, they beat, yeah, Georgetown. They beat, they, they beat Georgetown. So, um, but like in the back of my head, like I, the whole time I'm thinking like, okay, like here comes Denver and like eventually like water's going to find its level. Denver's going to keep that run going that puts them over the top and they get the win kind of the same way where, you know, if we go all the way back to the beginning of Sunday uh, where, you know, it's, it's Bryant and Virginia and Bryant gets out to a lead on Virginia. And like the whole time in my head, I'm like, this is like really, really awesome for Brian. I like, I wish that they could hold on to this, but the whole time you knew once the fourth quarter came around, so many of those guys on that Virginia team were around in 2019. They have a national championship ring on their finger. Like they've been in that position before. I know that Brian as a program has been in the position before where they've upset a team in the first round of the playoffs, but like none of these kids were on those teams. So like you kind of always knew in the back of your head, Virginia was going to find a way to pull out on that one. I had that feeling with this game too, like as it kept progressing, and the whole time I'm like, okay, like here comes that they get the the man up while they're, you know, they're down by one. They get a minute man up. I'm like, all right, here it comes. Nothing happens. They immediately get another 30 second man up. I'm like, okay, here comes the tying goal. Then they'll score and you know, they'll, they'll win this one. Nothing happens there. Then they get the bo- Bill Tierney Mm-mm. dying moments of the game. Like maybe like a minute left. It, it's a bit of a jumbled, like it wasn't even like a, uh, like a clean clear, where like you just didn't want to stop like Denver in like a smooth transition to the cage. Um, I forget. It might have even been Jack Hanna who had the ball, clearing the ball from their other side of the midfield. And I was like, all right, like as soon as he gets over midfield, Bill Tierney, call the timeout. You have two left, buddy. Like, uh, you know, maybe Bill at his own old age kind of just forgot about all of them. Um, but they don't call a time. Like I, I figured, you know, okay, they'll call a timeout. They'll draw up a play. Um, they have so many fucking studs offensively. They'll probably get the ball to Ethan Walker. He'll go low to high. It'll get tucked away right under the bar. That'll tie it up. So long story short, what I'm saying is the whole time I keep thinking, okay, here it comes. Here comes Denver to tie the game and then win the game. Um, and, and it came all the way down to that very dying moment where unfortunately for Alex Simmons, that's, that's one that he's going to, um, you know, he's, he's definitely going to wake up in some cold sweats, uh, you know, Maybe, I don't want to put this on him, but maybe for the rest of his life. Oh, um, God, look what you've done. Yeah. <laughs> at, at least for the next several days, um, thinking about that one. And, and like, up until um, Sam Schaefer made that save, I kept thinking that Denver was going to win that one. So, like, what a ride that was for me. Yeah, that was a ride. I mean, the, the whole game was a ride. Um, you know, Denver – characteristically looked like Denver, you know, very cool and calm under pressure, you know, Denver's fundamentals. And I know that Tierney, Tierney does a really good job of hammering those home. You know, their fundamentals are fantastic. They pick up balls off the turf with two hands. It's fucking unsafe. It's insane. Um, But they made mistakes and they made costly mistakes. Um, You know, as as the game ended, I just, I, I can't decide in my mind and this is, I guess this is the stance that I've chosen for pretty much all of my takes this year is I can't decide whether it was good defense or terrible offense. I just, I can't decide yet. 
Um, I don't, I, I, you know, the, the jumping across the crease and faking and shooting to the same spot, good offense, very good, that good strategy because they've been shooting low on Schaefer all day. Right. So I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it, it, I, I would give more credit to Schaefer for that, for that final save, but, um, that's, I mean, that's just my, that's my been, been my dilemma, good offense or, or bad defense, bad defense or good offense. It's, it's. I, I, I would give credit to, I mean, just for that play only. I, I, I don't know, you know, how much, how much work. I mean, I certainly don't I, I think would, Schaefer was lucky. I think it was no, a good save. No. And, and I think like, like I, I, I've tried to like slow it down. Like we're, we're recording this like literally as the game ended. So uh, none of us have had really an, a, a ton of time to like go back and really watch. But like, I tried to like slow it down to like, see like exactly like where he hit Schaefer and like in the one freezer, like the kid's fucking huge. And so he like, he throws his hands out to make the save. He he kicks his leg out. So like, he's taking up like, you know, the net's six by six. So he, like, he's probably taken up a good 70% of the cage. So, you know, obviously like 30, six, like, three, two thirty-five. So yeah, you're yeah, right. He's, he's enormous. He's, he's, a, he's a, a large <laughs> human God. being and, and he made himself massive in there. And like, he, he managed to stand like directly in the middle of the net, throw his hands out and a stick to make this. And then also kicked out that one leg. So like, there wasn't really a ton to shoot at. Um, and especially like in a moment like that, where it's like, like Simmons gets the ball back and it's like, he has no idea. Like the, the buzzer could get him at like any second. So it's just kind of like adrenaline. So like, I, I understand the fake high shoot high type of thing. Cause that's just like, it was just pure adrenaline at that point. Um, so I, I kind of, that, that's more of just like, I can't believe that tyranny let both of those um, timeouts go to waste. Um, the one thing I will say, I'm, I'm happy for Loyola. Very, you know, very, very happy for that program. I think, um, you know, they kind of needed something, a win like this after Pat Spencer left to kind of show like, you know, that, that Pat's obviously like they won a national championship before Pat Spencer got there, but I'm saying like, this is now Loyola post Pat Spencer. Like they're out of that little lull that they had. Um, but what I do need is Kevin Lindley to fix his tilt. So, um, you know, Dukes, I, I know that you're, you're a big style guy. Uh, it, was that any, did that throw you off at all? I, I feel like. It does, but I'm kind of woke on like two bar syndrome. I think that these players. I, they, I kinda, think, I've never heard that in my life. I'm, I'm kind of like woke I'm on two bar syndrome. <laughs> I think that they can see the field better. Like, I think that they, like, like, they think that they can't see with tilt. So, like, all right, like, I have to look, like, really dumpy because I'll come out onto the field. Like, everyone will, like, like, they'll get, like, a shorty on them. Like, they'll get, like, the worst player on them, and then they just, like, toast them. And, like, I'm very, very woke on people looking unswaggy so they get, like, worst players guarding them. It makes sense. And going back to the Sam Schaefer shot, I was just thinking about this. Alex Simmons was in the middle of the cage, had all the angles, and you're right, he has a big frame. But people forget, well, I did, Sam Schaefer was a lefty. So Alex Simmons could have been, like, used to a righty goalie because I think he faked but, to, like, the but, right side. So I, I also, like, when I realized that Sam Schaefer was a left, like, I, one, I, I actually made a note of that during the – so I went – I wanted to, like, be, like, real smart and, like, figure out how many goalies left in the quarterfinals. Are, I think it's split, like, 50-50, so that – doesn't really go. prove anything about but um <laughs> but no De- denver's goalie's also lefty so i was thinking about that too and I'm, 
Yeah. So, but so he probably has some. He's yeah. probably shooting against a lefty every day, but mm-hmm. but yeah. No, I I also made a I I really wanted there to be like seven lefties so I could be like ah you guys should start recruiting more lefties, but then it turned out to be like four and four. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's Schaefer, McNaney, um, Krieg, one other guy's a lefty. Either way, shout out to the lefties. Fuck righties. Um, sorry, Dukes, but yeah, it's hostile. hostile. No, yeah, that's my, yeah. My my whole point then just got ruined because I was I was just dying on that hill. I was like, like oh, he's a, I was a righty goalie. Every goalie's righty then. But like, yeah, it's it's just disproven then. But I mean, Alex Simmons just he'll he'll think about that for the rest of his life for sure. Because especially when you're the underclassman and you like lose in that fashion, you just like feel so bad for the upperclassmen. But I'm also like I kind of have this weird feeling that like. In a year from now, we're going to be like watching a Denver game in the quarterfinals, and Alex Simmons has like five goals, two assists, and leads Denver to their first final oh, four. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Alex, Alex Simmons, like yeah, that. Alex Simmons is a stud. Um, stud. I, I think we all know that. Um, you know, obviously, like he's going to feel like a little bit bad. It's like, yeah, well, you know, like the seniors aren't going to do that anymore. But like, whatever. Like, there were plenty of other opportunities. So the game wasn't won and lost right there. I would say that it mm-hmm. was won and lost when um, Bill Tierney didn't take that timeout. I don't know. I don't. I don't, no, I don't know totally. if it, I don't know if it's like kosher to go in on like such a legendary coach like that. But like sometimes, I don't know. Sometimes I mean, I'll, they score. They were scoring a lot in transition. Like maybe, like you know, maybe he saw there was a minute twenty when he had the ball left, so maybe he was going to give them twenty seconds. So that instead, they just pissed the ball back. No, that's you know, a like great they, point. Because you know they got a minute twenty left, and you just get it over. They've been scoring all day in transition. Maybe they pop one in real quick, and then you got TD to get you the ball back, and you hold it. Like that's a split second thing, right? I guess he just. Uh, it was my, risky my, for my Tierney only thing, in a first my only thing game. is that it, that it wasn't a um, it wasn't like a clear break. Like it was kind of like a, no, no, no. You're right. Like, it was like, a slow like, break. Like, like the ball was on the ground in the defensive end, and then like uh, it was it was I don't know. Jack Hanna like came up with it, and then. It, I don't know. It just wasn't like a super smooth clear. So I figured, okay, like as soon as you get it over midfield, like that's probably when you should have taken it. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Did you hear them in the first half too? Like they were talking about how like their offensive coordinator likes to slow down the pace, how he likes like the first shot. That's always not the best shot and how the shot clock is kind of screwing them. And I'm like, wait, so you're saying that like their coaching staff is just outdated. Like they're using stuff from like the pre-shot clock era. I was like, I don't want to say it's time, but I'm saying that Bill – might be looking at retirement homes. I think that I think that I, I, I'm staying woke on that. Three years max. Three years max at Denver. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Three he'll just go max. to maybe he'll just go to Syracuse next year because Desco's got to be out. After that <laughs> one. Um, so let's uh here. This is this is how we'll do it, boys and girls. So we'll we'll keep going through the rest of the Sunday games, um, and and then that way we could probably end with Georgetown Syracuse, so that we can really go in on the Fire Desco movement. Um, so Saturday games will be at the back half of this. We'll keep going through the Sunday games, um, and yet speaking of questionable coaching decisions, uh, Bryant, I, I listen, Coach Pressler, he, he's he's one of the best. He's you know, he, he had a great career at Duke. He's, he does a ton with USA lacrosse. Um, but Bryant, they, uh, so they're taking on Virginia, the defending champs. Uh, the one moment in this game that I really thought, so like I mentioned, that I, I thought Virginia was 
you know, in the back of my mind, and I think in the back of like everyone's mind, you kind of knew that Virginia was going to come alive at some point um, late in the game and, and that they weren't going to go down. But if there was one point that was like the real deciding factor that I knew that Bryant really wasn't going to ha- get it done, end of the first half, they go up, they, they go up two men. So they're, they're two men up. There's 18 seconds left on the – and, like, so they get the penalties. One of them's a minute. One of them's 30 seconds. There's 18 seconds left. Now, I understand the whole – like, hold the ball. Then you get the, the ball back to start the, the second half. You don't have to do a face-off, whatever. I get it. But, like, if you're a team like Bryant and you're going up against Virginia, like, you got to – like, you got to throw your balls on the table. Like you're, you're Bryant, they're Virginia. Like you have to be the ones who are just a bunch of crazy, sick fucking bastards who do the unthinkable. So like the fact that they didn't try to draw up a, a play to like get a shot in with like 10 seconds left. Cause they were only, I think they were down by, were they down by one or were they up by one? They might've been down by one. So they were down by one heading into the second half. So they could have scored with like 10 seconds left. And then that would have tied the game up to go into halftime. Boys would have been fired up. Instead, they throw the ball away. So they don't even get the, the ball to start the second half. Uh, Virginia clear, uh, kills off the penalty, and then they score to go up too. So, like, that was, like, the moment right there where it was, like, that's a two-goal swing, and you guys just kind of prove that, like, you're, like, afraid to play to win. Um, so that, that Bryant-Virginia game, did, did you guys – did either of you like have a feeling like that, that Bryant would be able to pull off that upset or were you kind of in the same boat where it's like you, you knew that Virginia was going to make it happen. You just didn't know how long it was going to take. Dukes, well, I just like to, yeah. I just want to, before Dukes goes, I just want to point out that I called Bryant jumping out to an early lead. Just saying, <laughs> I said it was going to be a classic situation where the, where, where Bryant comes out to an early lead and Virginia pulls out the end. I described that game perfectly. Now, did what? Now, ten eight in the third quarter, Bryant. I did not describe that perfectly, but Dukes, you can take that away. Just had to get my piece. So uh, I thought that Bryant had no chance as soon as the bracket got revealed. So big, big ups <laughs> to me for coming out and saying that. But Bryant, there was like a there was times in the first half throughout the game where Virginia was going up three four goals. And Brian, as young as the team as they are, like never really got rattled. Like they always like weathered the storm all the way up into the fourth quarter. And then that's where Mike Pressler switched to the zone. And I was like, what are you doing? Because as Clark, Clark, Clark was obsessed with saying today, Virginia's two quarterback system. And it, it, he was right. Because if you're playing a zone with Matt Moore and Schellenberger, they're just going to rip it up. They're going to find the open teams. They're going to find the open guys and they're going to get their goals. So once that happened, I was like, there's really no chance. But, I mean, I was impressed by Bryant. I also thought it was weird. In the first quarter, they were going low on road, and Alex Road loves going low. He always dips his hands. He always goes low. And in the second and third quarter, they were ripping it high, getting their goals. And then in the fourth quarter, they, like, I don't know if they just, like, forgot that they were scoring goals in the second, third quarter by going high, but they went low again. Made no sense. But, yeah, as Jordy said, you always knew that Virginia in the back of your head was going to win. Like, it was – you always knew that they were going to like pull it out. I don't know. Yeah. But like when I, when I close my eyes and picture Alex road in my head, I'm picturing like the sprawling out, like split save, like kick save, like mm-hmm. with, with that left toe. So um, yeah, the, the fact that they, 
the fact that they would, would go low that often, but like, I, I also understand like trying to, you know, change up your shots, shot selection, um, all that like regular, like coach speak shit. But um, yeah, I, I just felt like there were, there were moments in this game for where Bryant should have been a little bit more aggressive if they wanted to pull off the upset. Um, you know, so they did, they did a great job, like you said, weathering that storm, but then it's like, all right, like you got to like take some chances. And um, you know, if, if, if you're not able to really put away a team like Virginia, well, guess what? They've got Schellenberger. You don't, they have Matt Moore. You don't, they have, I mean, Ian Laviano, you don't. So, um, you know, but again, good, good, hard fought battle for Bryant and way closer than I thought that that was going to be. Um, They'll the be back two, too. What's up? They'll be back. Like they're, they're going to be back. They have studs on that team, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, they got studs. They got a great coach. The only thing that they're lacking is style because I, I, the, the black mm. Sox is just, Ugh. it's despicable. It's fine if they're wearing black cleats because they really have no other choice. The majority of their gear is black. It's it would it would be strange. But if they did, they did like what if they went gold? Gold cleats. Gold cleats would be sick. Gold cleats and or like the you know the Nike like the the Nike maybe. uh, Well, I believe the tips of them are gold. Yeah. Oh, they're Adidas school, whatever. Well, like an Adidas like cleat that's like gold in the front right like then fades into into black yeah mm-hmm. she would be sick but no they're playing without with like you know the art how army does it and like fucking land sharks <laughs> stomping down the field it's just it's so tough to look at um the other two games on the day kind of blowouts uh i mean jared bernhardt is now the officially the the oldest brother of the bernhardt family um, I'd, I'd have to agree. If, after that first goal where he just emphatically pointed directly at Jake on, on the Vermont sideline, that was a um, – I mean, like, can you uh, – do you guys have brother like, no. Dukes? Three sisters. Okay. Yeah, I have a sister. Like, I, I can't imagine, especially on a stage like the NCAA National – or NCAA tournament, like my little brother doing that to me, like, <laughs> like you gotta like run out on the field and like tackle him and be like, no, 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 like that's not how this goes. Um, so that was uh, yeah. So Jared Bernhardt, Jared Bernhardt things. Um, also got to quickly mention in here, Kyle Long, pride of Springfield, Delco lacrosse, sick game, hat trick for him. <laughs> um, Vermont, you know they they kind of. They did a little bit what we were expecting. Um, I don't think that they, you know, I, I think, well, uh, uh, this is a uh, Jake, this is your territory here. So, so let's talk about it. Um, so Tommy Burke, you're obviously a huge Tommy Burke guy and you're obviously a huge, I'm, I'm high on him. Yeah. And, and, and you're obviously a, a huge uh, Maryland hater. You're, you're the noted number one hater of Maryland lacrosse. Um Justin Shockey had a pretty solid day at the faceoff stripe. He went uh, 19 for 28. Uh, Tommy Burke, you know, decent. He, he was 11 for 26. Um, but so, Ooh. you know, I, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's not good, but it's also mm. not terrible. But I, I felt like this whole time, uh, you know, throughout the season and, and heading into the tournament, everyone's biggest knock on Maryland besides the fact that they've only played big 10 teams uh, was that, you know, that they weren't going to win faceoffs. 
but Justin Shockey came out and, and had himself a huge, obviously his best day of the season so far. Um, but now, so looking at that performance from Maryland with how deep they were offensively with Shockey going 19 for 28 at the faceoff stripe, do you take Maryland a little bit more seriously heading into the quarterfinals against Notre Dame? Yeah, I think so. You know, you you can frame it one of two ways. Like, I, I'm not a I'm not a Maryland hater, other than being a hop guy. Um, I, I'm a Maryland doubter, um, which is not as serious. Okay, it's there's not as much commitment to it because um, you know I, I I can pull back a little bit today because they absolutely they they looked really complete between the whistles. I don't think I don't think there's a team that runs transition like Maryland. Um, and the consistency and, the, and, and as deep as their bench goes. Um, and I think that's what makes them competitive uh, and, and probably, you know, likely to make a deep run. Um, I think that, you know, I think Shockey had a great day. I think Burke might've had an off day. And if Maryland wants to keep continuing, uh, Shockey does need to have a good day. But also, as we've seen, it's really not all that important. Um, it, it, you know, we've seen multiple instances of guys going 80, 90% in a game and their team losing. So, you know, Shockey could, you know. Jer- Jerry take, Raganese just turned off the podcast. I know, Jerry. He's, <laughs> I know. Um, no, I mean, he's, you know, he, he, he always likes to bring that up for people who are like ban the face off, right? Like it, it allows a team to control pace too much. Um, but like he's, I, I think that for Maryland to keep competing, which I mean, they absolutely can compete. I've never said they were a bad team. I've just doubted the, 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 the results that I've seen. Um, I mean, I think they're in a great position to play Notre Dame coming up. I, I think that I, I think that's going to be a really telling game because you're going to have probably, Probably the one of the premier matchups this year, other than Sowers and Kielty, uh, you're going to have Bernhardt and Kielty, which would be the one that I'd be watching all game. Um, Dukes, I know you're, you're, uh, and, I, and I guess we we don't necessarily need well, to go he, into he, next he's, weekend. He's got, but he's got the fighting leprechaun tattooed on his back, and it, <laughs> I know and, he's and, basically, and then, <laughs> and then he's got the ND with the crossing lacrosse sticks on his calf. It says, <laughs> I, it says I love, yeah, it says I love Nicosello like on your ass or something. Um, I mean, so I, I don't know, Dukes. How, how did you feel about Maryland today? How did you feel about Vermont? And then you know, what do you see for Maryland going up against Notre Dame? Your your, your Notre Dame Fighting Irish in the next round. Well, Shockey obviously had like a, a great game against. Tommy Burke, great, great game. But also, he said it himself, but worst lacrosse player of all time, Jacob Fowl, had a career day against the best face-off guy in the ACC. So mm. I'm just saying that, like you said, it could have just been his day. It could have just been uh, Shockey's day against Tommy Burke. I don't think that he'll have that same success against Notre Dame because if he, if he has his day against Gallagher, I don't think he'll have it against Leonard. But again, the biggest problem I have with Maryland, it's never been the th- – talent they have it's been face-offs and goalies McNaney like for as many turnovers as Vermont had every settled possession that they had they played pretty well I mean McNaney only saved 43 percent of his shots so I'm still not impressed at all by what he did and I mean end of the day did anyone really think that Vermont was gonna have a chance if they were like if, you, if I told, told you if, if, but if I told you that Tommy Burke <laughs> 
was going to go like 53% of his face-offs or like whatever it was, like 48%. Would, and would you have said that Vermont would have beaten Maryland? I don't think anyone would have. And you would have had to go like 80%. Well, well dude, I, I, I do have – so I, I know that you're not high on McNaney, but to kind of circle back know. to a conversation that we had, McNaney's a lefty. Liam Entman is a righty, so your your boys in Notre Dame. Our righty goalie is the new wave. But he played amazing. But what I'm saying, though, is that, you know, if the game comes down to the wire, your boys aren't going to be used to shooting on a lefty. So, you know, if they come high and tight in the dying seconds of the game, they might not know the spots to go because they're used to going up against a righty. So do you have to take Liam or Logan McNaney a little bit more seriously now as a – as 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 a as a lefty goalie, as we've kind of proven that lefties rule the world. Well, Jordy, I'm glad you asked that question because I have an answer, and it won't come down to the last shot in this game because Notre Dame's going to roll by eight. <laughs> I, lo- I love it. Um, all right, so the 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 other game of this Sunday, uh, Duke High Point. Uh, our, our first time seeing Michael Sowers in the NCAA tournament. He wasted My no God. time putting up insane numbers, four and four in the first half. Um, listen, th- this was a, a real good um, chance to watch an, an elite team like Duke uh, and, and just why they're so good, you know, even if it's just between guys like, like Sowers and um, Brennan O'Neill. But this game was a, an absolute disaster for me. It was, it, it was a disaster <laughs> for anyone who had the, the game broadcast the volume on uh, oh because God. the Duke moms who were the, the – it's they need to be banned from the rest of these games because that broadcast was impossible to listen to. I, I, I could pick out exactly which voices Dukes were from garden city. Um, <laughs> any, any of the moms who are just like directing traffic, like during the game from, from the, from the bench, I was like, you know what? Dukes probably knows her. Um, I actually yeah. thought I recognized like two of the voices and I was like, wait, is that, and I'm not going to, that was then i had i went mute yeah so i mean listen great great win for duke um you know i i think that that uh you know that final score 16 to 10 like that's a big win for duke but it it honestly it felt like it was even bigger like there was never a single moment in this game that i really felt like high point had much of a chance um but yeah, that that was a game where like the whole time I was just thinking to myself, like, how the hell haven't one of the ESPN producers like gone over and been like, hey, ladies, like, can you guys please either like move or shut up because you're ruining the broadcast? Um, so Jake, Jake, your your thoughts on uh, on the Blue Devils and and their mommies? I mean, that was a <laughs> That was pretty brutal to listen to. I, I just, uh, I'm not certain what they what they were thinking about the broadcast. They were, you know, heavy. I'm sure they were all heavy into the tailgate white claws. I'm sure somebody's mom made potato salad or gabagool or something. You know, it's a couple of Italians over there. I'm sure somebody, somebody's mom brought a pasta salad, all sorts of good shit. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, it, it. We, I think we talked about it. It depends. You know these games were going to depend on what version of the team shows up. And, and unfortunately high point got may Duke. Uh, they didn't get February Duke may Duke is uh, having it. May Duke is a freshman killing it on face-offs. Michael Sowers scoring a million goals at will. 
and Mike Adler pretty much saving anything coming at him. So May Duke is terrifying. Um, I mean, just they are so complete all over the field. Uh, high point did high point stuff. You know, they scored a couple crazy goals. Um, and, and they, you know, again, high point can play. I know Jordy is the high points. He's out. He's been out on high point, which was okay. Um, but I mean, 1610 didn't really feel like 1610. It felt more like 164. Um, but I mean, they looked good, Dukes, right? I mean, yeah. you know, the, the porthole mesh looking pretty sick. How do you, the, the XRS, yeah. you know, it, it's all right. Yeah. I mean, I also was a fan of, uh, like obviously Michael Sowers, didn't, I want to say it was a coming out party because it's Michael Sowers and that's like injustice, but it did feel like that. Oh yeah. Like that's why he's the towards on finalist. And like, Oh, that's why he's picked first team all American because he has performances like that. I mean, I think the most exciting part of the game, because I thought it was to some extent a snooze fest, like you guys said, it was 16-10, felt like it was like 20-10, to 10. but I had no idea that Mike Adler got attacked by a shark. So when I heard that on the broadcast, I, I gasped. I was like, that, <laughs> I was like, why, why is this only getting brought up in May? I was like, you got to put this on like the first original broadcast high point to you, because I was like, why am I just hearing this for the first time? But besides yeah, that, I don't think really to say story. it up Yeah, that was the only crazy. thing is, is it, yeah, I mean, he, he's a goalie, so like you almost like ex, like you expect that to be like a, a big deal. Like if that was at like an attackman, like the attackman would make like such a big deal out of it, <laughs> and they'd be like super dramatic about the whole thing. Um, but a goalie would just be like, yeah, man, I got attacked by a shark, and uh, anyway, ball stop left. You know who, who's two? Yeah. You know, <laughs> they were yeah. asking, but they were asking after the game. They, they were like, do you hope you can win a national championship? So like that can become your dinner party story. And Mike's like, yeah, like, I don't really want to talk about the whole shark thing anymore. And it's like, dude, you can't just get attacked by a shark and like not have a million questions about it. Like <laughs> you're an animal. Like that's why you're a goalie. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll tell you who probably feels like they got attacked by the shark. And that is the Syracuse orange. There are probably uh, 60 or so teams in college lacrosse right now who all could have suited up in this game and they could have gotten their dicks kicked in just as hard as Syracuse did in this game. An 18-8 to eight final. Jay Carraway, five goals. Danny McBuckets, Declan McDermott, five goals. Um, I mean, this was a game where we had mentioned, you know, it all kind of depends on what teams show up. Jake, I, I think that you, you had just said that, um, you know, about the last game. And we were talking, you know, at, you know, maybe we get this Syracuse team that came back and looked like they had a little bit of juice to them, a little bit of fire when they came back uh, immediately after suspending Chase Scanlon. And then they came out and, and got that win over Virginia. Or it could be the Syracuse team that we've seen the majority of the season that is fucking trash uh unfortunately for for the orange faithful they were absolute trash in this game i don't want to take too much away from georgetown either because i think that that was a um you know that was a game that kind of proved that one jay caraway is an absolute maniac uh and two that this team can be a menace um but cuse an, an absolute pathetic performance um defensively they've been putrid all season long and they only got worse as it kept going so uh jake how hot would you say that john desco seat is right now mm. what's the temperature of the sun 
mm. like 10 billion, 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 billion degrees or something. It's probably like, it's like right around there, I'd say, plus or minus a few degrees. Um, I just, I'm glad. I mean, I hate, there's really no other, there's really no way to sugarcoat this, coat this. I'm glad Syracuse season is over. Um, I'm sure that it was kind of a relief and they wanted some closure to whatever would the season. Cause you know, kid, your best player gets kicked off, uh, kicked off the team. Uh, he gets arrested. Um, your, uh, organization is in the spotlight. Um, all eyes are on, on you, all eyes are on your coach. You're not, you know, you didn't return, you know, any defenseman, you know, uh, you're, you're, you're getting, you know, your, your goalie's getting shelled. Like it's a tough season, right? They, they've been through the ringer and, uh, Georgetown did not make it any easier, easier. So credit to Georgetown. Um, fucking Jake Carraway is a lunatic. Um, first of all, he's got more tilt than I've seen in many, many years. So I'm talking like OG he, he took Travis. All Kevin Lindley's tilt. <laughs> he took all of it, right? So he took he's he's rocking like OG uh, Travis Reed tilt, uh, like that. I'm sure that name hasn't been thrown around in a long time. But he's rocking the, the Travis Reed tilt, um, and he just I don't uh, the audacity of that man. Um, he splashed two on Drake Porter from 15 yards easily. You know, putting his shoulder down and sniping top right just absolutely disrespectful and if there was anything about that game that i had to highlight it was a statement game for georgetown they made a big fucking statement um and i think if that georgetown team shows up to the field to play virginia it's going to be a very good game um so uh dukes i i'm, I'm sure that you echo some of my some of my sentiments when it comes to the, the old georgetown team yeah, uh, just coming from a defense guy, I, you know, you, I heard about Georgetown's defense the entire year, top 10, McElroy, first team All-American, stud. And I, I wanted to see how they'd handle Cuse because, you know, Cuse felt like they had something to prove team of destiny. People are saying that they like their draw, people like me. I was really impressed with Georgetown's defense. So, like, my tips are capped off to them. Uh, I thought they did, like, an amazing job. Uh, and, yeah, like, just going back to the whole Syracuse thing, this wasn't the season that they wanted. Uh, I was tough on them the entire year, but I do have to like clap it up for them because their efforts with like the one love and just like building awareness, they took a stand and like this team will be remembered. So like anyone on the Syracuse lacrosse team, any Syracuse fans, like don't be disappointed in this team because they made a mark in lacrosse that I think is very admirable. So that was all I wanted to say about Keys without shitting on them too much. I don't think you shit on them too all that much. I think it. I mean, earlier in the, the year, it was pretty bad. I mean, <laughs> I, I think everybody so was right. Yeah, I yeah. think everybody was. I think we were all like, you know, get get him the fuck out. I, but I mean, like, I, yeah. Do I we think l- lacrosse wise, these kids were probably spent, but yeah, yeah. We, we can give credit to the senior leadership, but I also oh, don't want to like bail them out too much. Like, yeah, like the senior leadership on this team was awesome. But also, like, the team stunk. Oh, yeah. As, as characters, as, like, people, and, like, taking their stance for that, awesome. Catching, throwing the ball, putting the ball in the back of the net, they did an amazing job of being so shitty at it this year. I, in, in one year, they went from being the number one team in America when COVID got, like, canceled the year 
and they were just like, fuck it. Let's just suck. Let's just like cancel the year. We'll get like three extra weekends to party and hell we might even go to the national championship and see Syracuse women's like win it all. That's what they were hoping for. So credit to them, I guess. I mean, yeah, credit to, they're going to let, I mean, it's actually super nice of them to let, you know, this, the focus be on Syracuse women's team for once, uh, right? Clap it up for the boys. Yep. Uh, well, yeah, so we, we still have four ACC teams alive in this tournament, so there's still a chance that Final Four weekend is a, the unofficial ACC tournament. Uh, and Dukes, your Notre Dame Fighting Irish, they didn't make it easy on you, though. They, no. it, it came down to quite a scare. Uh, this is an, another one of those games that kind of came down to the wire. Maybe an, another one of those games where you kind of always had the see, sneaking suspicion in the back of your mind that, you know, the, the ranked team would come out on top. So, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, it kind of always thought that Notre Dame would come out on top of this one. I didn't realize that they would get so much help from the officials. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, That's so nice. it, it, it seemed like the stripes were a little bit. Uh, they were also like, uh, guys, I think Notre Dame should be winning right here. Like, how do we make that happen? Um, so, Dukes, one, I just want to know how you feel about your Notre Dame fighting Irish. And, and two, um, you know, would just like to know uh, how much Dogecoin you slipped over to the, to the stripes before this game kicked off. <laughs> well, no, the refs definitely helped us out a ton. But I do, like, the refs, they, they knew. They were like, hey, look at how many shots Notre Dame's taking compared to Drexel. Look at, like, Entman, how he's playing. Like, Notre Dame, in every facet, face-offs, goalie, midfield attack, were playing better than Drexel. They ran into a hot goalie. Drexel's goalie was on fire. I think he had, what, what was it? Yeah, Ross Blumenthal, 63% save percentage. Entman had 68. I mean, that's unbelievable. And I've always talked about it since, like, the first episode I was on. I was like, if your goalie can save 60% or plus of his shots, you should be in good standing at the end of the game. And I oh, and it did have that like UVA Bryant feel like, all right, Notre Dame's going to pull us away. There's six minutes left. It's eight, eight. Cause I think in the fourth quarter, Notre Dame outshot Drexel like 14 to two. So that, that I was like, they have to just find one in the back of the net. And when it got into two minutes, I was shitting my pants. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I released my first bracket Notre Dame as national champions. And they're going to lose in the first round to Drexel. And we escaped for the victory. Cannot wait. I think they got the jitters out of their system. Cannot wait for this Maryland game. I've, I've had this marked on my calendar forever. First time I came on this pod, I said that Notre Dame would shellac Maryland. I can't wait to see it happen. Cannot wait to see it happen. I've never been it's, wrong before. <laughs> Neither have I, which is why that is why we're all on this podcast together. Incredible. Uh, I, I thought, you know, I, I, Drexel, Drexel left a lot to be desired. I think that team can play. Um, I, I, you know, there were there were a couple people. I saw some, I saw some rumblings about maybe another CAA team might have might might have been worthy of the of the bid, not Drexel. But I mean, I think I think Drexel could play. Um, I mean, yeah, I think you I think you pretty much nailed it. Uh, I had the feelings of a Virginia Bryant game with, but in the back of the back of your head. You kind of always knew that Notre Dame was going to pull away. Um, although you, you know, I, I think what the crazy part about like the this, you know, college lacrosse and watching college lacrosse and ma- what makes it what it is is that you're in the back of your head, you are rooting the most chaotic game that you can. Like if the team that you want 
is up by one, you kind like just the smallest part of you wants the other team to tie it up and go into overtime. So like, I think that we got our dose of chaos through these games this weekend, like without a doubt. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, you know, kind of mentioned at the beginning where, you know, there, there were a few of these games that, um, you know, like, like UNC Monmouth, like, you you could have taken a nap throughout the the entirety of that game. Same thing with like Duke and High Point, um, but like I I agree. Like we got like just enough, um, plenty of chaos, but like not to the point where it just like fucked with like everything that we ever thought that we knew about the sport. So like we got that chaos in Virginia Bryant, but at the end of the day, Virginia comes out on top. We got that chaos with Drexel Notre Dame, but at the end of the day, uh, Notre Dame still came out on top. But like. Um, I don't know. I, the, the one thing about all that chaos though, that I would like is if the refs would just stay out of it, like so much more like this. I'm, I'm, I'm not a, I I don't know. I was about to say, I'm not a huge blame the refs guy, but like, I'm, I'm, I am a huge blame the refs guy. Um, (laughs) like their, their performance and specifically the games that were in Denver this weekend. So I don't know if it was the same crew or not. I didn't really get a chance to like look at their faces, um, but the crew that was in Denver for the Denver Loyola game. And then for this Drexel Notre Dame game were like exceptionally brutal. Um, you know, that, that call at the end that gave uh, Notre Dame that man up with the Wheaton Jackaboys game winner. And then there was also a call like a few minutes before that where Notre, Notre Dame picked up the ball. Like it should have been an over and back, but they didn't call the over and back. And then Drexel got like a, an unnecessary roughness, like as they came over midfield. And then like Brian Volker was like losing his goddamn mind at the officials. Cause he's like, well, like it shouldn't have gone over and back anyway. So um, love the chaos, but would just appreciate if the refs would stay out of it a little bit more. Um, now we did have, uh, we, we had another seeded team go down. So the Lehigh mountain Hawks after a, uh, after a, a real, real solid 10 and two or 10 and one season, actually. Um, they were Patriot league champs by default because Loyola got that, uh, False positive test. Great season for or for Lehigh. Um, and then they run into a Rutgers team that I have been down on for for years at this point. However long we've been doing the Crease Die podcast, I feel like I've done nothing but shit on the Rutgers program every single time that they've been brought up. And for good reason, because they haven't won uh, an NCAA tournament game since 1990. But Colin Kirst, uh, you know, he took all of my takes. He printed them out on a nice sheet of paper. He rolled up that paper, uh, crumpled it up, and shoved it right up my hoop. Uh, so the Rutgers Scarlet Knights take down Lehigh 12-5. Uh, huge, huge day for the Kirst family, uh, but it was Colin Kirst who, who made the, uh, the, the biggest impact on this one. He ended up with... 17 saves on the day, 77% on his save percentage. So uh, Rutgers making me look like a complete and total jackass. Um, so, you know, boys, if, if, if anyone wants to pile on, now is your time. I mean, you do look kind of like a dickhead. Um, I mean, Rutgers is, uh, again, the measuring stick. Okay. I, I can, you can, you can walk it back partially if you use the argument that the measuring stick for Rutgers in 
the Big Ten this year was not, not great. However, you you have been shitting on Rutgers for years, so you can only walk it back so much. So and that's fair. Um, I mean, everybody gave me shit because I said it was like one of the most exciting games I've seen. You know, I thought it was a pretty like good game. Like it's, it's a solid game, I, but for like the first three quarters, right, and then the fourth quarter turned out to be, you know. Not so much, but like, you know, the goalie play was exciting. I thought that, you know, the curse brothers playing against each other was exciting. Um, I mean, it, you know, as it turns out, there were like three more games that turned out to be fantastic this weekend. So yeah, probably not like the game. Right. But pretty good. Unfortunate, you know, for Sisselberger, um, you know, Lehigh's offense left a lot to be desired. Um, it, it was kind of a mix between, uh, just not really producing to back Sisselberger's work. Um, you know, Mike's, Mike Sis's work. Um, and the other side of it was just not really, you know, it was, it was Colin cursed. So, you know, it, it, it's, you know, it, it, could Sisselberger blame Colin cursed possibly that's a, that's a good scapegoat, but you know, credit to Rutgers. They absolutely, they played really, really well. Um, I know Dukes, I know you, you saw that chair Adam Cherlambidi's just absolute stroke, um, you know, to start the game. Yeah. I'm curious, curious how you felt about the game. Um, I mean, obviously we knew coming in that Lehigh probably was going to be able to control the faceoff, but I thought Rutgers did a really good job of getting possessions other ways. I thought Kirst, along with his saves, he had clean saves. So it gave him extra possessions. I thought they just clean. I feel like they destroyed. I don't know the exact numbers, but Rutgers destroyed, I feel like, Lehigh on uh, ground balls. And yeah, I mean, but I, I never was truly too high on Lehigh. Also, Tommy Schelling, attackman for Lehigh, he was out yesterday. Yeah. So obviously going, going in, I was kind of like, oh, like kind of I picked Rutgers. I liked Rutgers. It was kind of – I didn't see the same thing you, you saw where it was a great game. But I thought there was a lot of energy out there. But I think it was the energy. It was, it was two yeah. programs that were hungry. They wanted to make their stamp of approval in the NCAA tournament. But like this, um, was a game, this was a game where you know. So we had mentioned the the Duke High Point game where it was sixteen ten, but it was like not yeah. even really that close. Like this was a game twelve five, but like I don't know. Like I, I thought you know James Spence had an, an an unbelievable day in net for Lehigh too. He also had seventeen saves, but like there were a couple that were like yeah, you know, like he probably could have had those ones. And then on the other end, like there were there were a couple where yeah, Lehigh's offense in general left much to be desired, but like there were a few Colin Kerr saves that were like, yeah, like that probably should have ended up in the back of the net. So like, if you take away those swings, you know, maybe like three for each team, like now you're looking, you know, like it, 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 it was a lot closer than the final score would lead you to believe. Like, I'm not saying like, I, I think Rutgers was in control the whole time, but like you could have seen like a, like a 10 eight final or, you know, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe an 11 eight final, but just something that uh, a little bit closer than 12, five. Like if you're just looking at the box score, you're like, yeah, like it looks like Rutgers just like beat the shit out of Lehigh. Um, but you know, if, if you're watching the game, Jake, I, I thought when you tweeted that out, I, I, I thought that you were in the right, your, your beautiful mind read that one correctly. <laughs> it is. It is. I, you know, I, 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 I also, I mean, I was, so excited, you know, the energy, you know, the energy of the game was huge. 
the boys were buzzing. Uh, I mean, yeah, the boys yeah. were buzzing. You could tell the crowd was buzzing. You know, I was, I, I was pumped about it. You know, I, I, the, this, the UNC Monmouth game, you know, it, it hadn't done anything for me. So, but, but Rutgers and Lehigh, I got jazzed. See, I, also, I, think, I just think, uh, I was going to say that's probably what it was where like you were so excited for the tournament to get going, but then UNC Monmouth was such a snooze fest that like you just had all of this like energy like yeah. bottled up. And then this game like was pretty good. And you're like, best game. Yep. I also just want to, Adam Charlotte beat us. I think it's unfair that uh, a 25 year old was playing. So we can nullify, <laughs> we can nullify Rutgers NCAA tournament victory. When you get seven years, yeah, you get one game. Yeah. Yeah. DQ'd. Oh, DQ'd. Oh, Give him one. Attackman. What? Seven, 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 yeah. Seven, five and five. That's the sure. eligibility that all three of Tackman have. <laughs> Charlene Beatties was actually on the Rutgers team that last won an NCAA tournament game in 1990. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure that I'm the first one to make that joke. Um, I think you yep. might be. Mm, actually, that's too much credit. Yeah, way that's too much, too much credit. credit. <laughs> um, uh, UNC and uh, Mammoth. Is, is is there any reason to talk? Uh, actually, I will say I I love. The one thing that really got me going this weekend were the ridebacks. I, I thought that a lot of teams had some really strong rides. I thought uh, Virginia rode pretty well with Ian Laviano. I thought that Duke rode pretty well. Um, there was that one ride, uh, although I don't know if it was a ride. Either way, there was a Denver pole who ended up getting like put on his ass like twice. So I'm going to count that as a ride. Uh, but I thought UNC also – those are guys who ride their dicks off. Um, Chris Gray ended up with a, with a nice goal off of a ride back. So um, that's probably the only thing, the only note that I have on this one. Um, any of you guys, did, did UNC, my, I mean, was that Chris Gray's first tournament game as well? Yeah. 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 So I mean, I, I, I think now the, an important question is, and this is, it's an impossible question is, you know, between, so all of the Tuarton finalists got to, got to play. Who do you think's in the, in the lead right now? For me, it's gotta be Sowers. Um, because I know that's a saucy take, right? I know it's a saucy take, but like that performance was unreal and he's just, he's so outstanding. Um, I don't know. I, I it's an impossible because literally all of them are, you, you you could cut it five ways, right? Um, so, I don't know, Dukes. What do you think? Spicy take. Who do I think is the best player out of all the finalists? Yeah, Sowers. Well, 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 but like, can like the, are yeah. you're asking like based on their performance this weekend? Yeah, like who's who's the front runner right now? Yeah, you could you could answer it two ways. Who's the front runner right now, and who do you think is going to win? They may not be the same person, right? I think Jared Bernhardt's going to win. Okay. I think he's going to win. He played in like the MAC conference, so he didn't really play anybody. He got the stats up. Um, just throw that out there. But <laughs> I think I think that – I mean, I, I really think that Pat Kavanaugh has been the best player in the country in the toughest conference. Like, Sowers is better than Pat Kavanaugh, but Pat Kavanaugh had a better year, in my opinion. I think that it should either go to Bernhardt or Kavanaugh, but I mean – after Michael Sowers played today, I should just shut the fuck up. Uh, shut up because he's 
Yeah, you can the swear on here. We say curse. fucking shit yeah. all the time. Shit. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, sponsors? <laughs> like, oh, oh where the, am I? <laughs> shut the frick up. Um, but yeah, no, Sowers. I think Sowers is the best player in the country. I just don't think he should have won the tour time this year. I think that that goes to Bernhard or Kavanaugh. Yeah, so I, I thought like going into this weekend, Sowers was probably at the at the bottom of the five. For uh, yeah, I'd I'd probably All say right, he was. What a and, take! I know, but like, I, no, I, I agree I with you, Jordy. I, I think he's behind. Like, I was kind of shocked that he, he was on the first team All American list. No, no, yeah, you, no, 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 no. He's got like seventy points. Okay, so, like, so, here, so here's the thing. Okay, so. Uh, all right, I maybe not the. I don't know what I'm saying is that like sour sours. I think made up the most points heading like after this weekend. Um, so if if like if we're doing like uh like, uh, I don't know if just whoever rose and whoever dropped. So I, I would say Pat Cav probably dropped a little bit. Sours rose a ton. Caraway rose a ton. Chris Gray probably stayed even, um, but Bernhardt's dude, he had six and one in this game. Like he took over that game. And I think that he's been the best player. Like I, I would have had Bernhardt at the top of it um, to begin with. I, I think that burn, like if this, if the award was given the day that the finalists were announced, I, I would give it to Bernhardt. And then I think he only upped his stock more after that six and one performance against Vermont. So I, I, I would say Bernhardt won, Sowers, Caraway, Gray, Cat, Pacav. I don't know. It's an, you. You said it's an impossible question, so I'm I'm trying my best. To- it is an impossible question. I don't think there's any right or wrong answer. I mean, I, I mean, mine's completely, did, did, my did, take did, is completely did you, different. Did you answer? Or did you pitch it off to yeah. Dukes right away? No, I, I kind of I pitched it off the deuce right oh, away. Oh well, then I well think, then get get it get in the ring. Um, I think okay. Who will probably win? Jared Bernhardt. Who probably should win is Chris Gray. Um, I think Chris Gray's performance this year is still he's still leading in points. You know, he's got eighty three points. That's that's unheard of, right? To go from a guy who played at Boston. Who's undersized? He's lose five foot seven. Not to short shame anybody. He's five foot seven, putting up eighty three points. He's not like he's a great athlete, but he's not the athletic specimen that Jared Bernhardt is, right? So like Chris Gray, I think has to work a little bit harder for those goals. He's an unbelievable shooter. He's done so much for UNC. If UNC, okay, if UNC wins the national championship, like everyone has predicted, it goes to Chris Gray. It like no doubt. Right. And I, I, I think that that's agreed. Right. I think that's a that's a solid take. Here's another take. Ryan Flanagan says that, you know, and I agree with him. I looked back too, like I looked at everybody out of the 19 years it's been around 15 of times it's gone to an attackman. So why don't we just call it the offensive player of the year award? That's a take. Yeah, I get it. But like. The, don't even tease the face off guys. Don't even tease a fucking short stick D mid as a as a Tawarton finalist if it's not even going to be taken seriously. Just throw the top five scorers up there and call them the offensive player of the year. Yeah, but like in in order to win games, you need to score more goals than the other team. People forget that. So oh the God. ones that are doing uh, the, that, yeah, are like, you're right. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> I mean, Asher Nolting's number four. He's got 72 points, right? He wasn't even in the tour, in the, in the tour ton, right? So, like, it's an outstanding player. So, so by argue, the argument's even stronger. It's the, the, high, the leading scorer on the, uh, that aligns with the championship weekend team, right? It's the highest scoring championship weekend team, the highest scoring attackman on the team that's in championship weekend. And then yeah, they I, usually I mean, win. I mean, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I really backed you into a corner on that one. I mean, <laughs> whatever. I'm, I mean, I'm thinking- so yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's gray. You guys think it's Bernhardt. It's like, it's a really, it is an impossible question. Well, it's, I actually it's, agree it's, with you now. But it, but it's one that'll be, although I okay so so who who's going to be in championship weekend? Probably UNC Duke. We could get Mar- so like Maryland or Notre Dame, and then uh, Virginia. Yeah, I mean it's, it's I, I I guess it really then just comes down to whoever wins the national championship of those of that group. We'll we'll get the towards on. Um, that's insane. Pat Cavanaugh is going to win the Couture-ton? Wow. <laughs> that is unbelievable. <laughs> I'm, sure there's a, I'm sure there's a book out there that has those odds. Yeah, yeah uh, no, there, oh. uh, Well, that's actually yeah. a good point because if, if Notre Dame wins, I, I don't see Pat Cav winning the Tawaraton. I just, I just don't. I, they, I don't, they, I don't I, either. They, they unless have, no, unless have, Notre Dame wins the whole thing. Yeah, and 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 like I don't want to say like the Tawarton is like a, a lifetime achievement award, but like if you have four seniors that are up for it and one sophomore, like I feel like they're probably like yeah, like lo- looking for a reason to not give it to the sophomore. So I, I yeah, so Packav would have to have just like an insane run on the next three games yeah. and like lead Notre Dame to like an absolute shit kicking in the national championship to get it. He's got the he's got the biggest uphill battle. That's what I'm trying to say. I think, yeah, like if you're looking at so not just like points, but like points per game. One is Bernhardt, two is Gray, three is a guy from LIU, and then four is Pat Kavanaugh. Richie Lacalandra from LIU. Yeah, the guy said, I, "I said LIU because I didn't want to try to pronounce his name." Yeah, R- like, Richie Lacalandra. He's yeah, he's so Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's Bernhardt and Gray, right? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, and I, I think, think that so. Gray. I think the UNC is. I mean, if you're gonna put, I was just trying to think because, like, as a college, like I follow college football, and like Nadama Kinsu, defensive tackle, was like a finalist one year, and it was just kind of like they were just like, oh, like we just have to throw a defensive guy in here like once in a while. Yep. Like, has there been a defensive person in recent memory that was a tour time finalist? I can't think of any. <laughs> Um, CJ Costabile, but yeah. he played, but he was at LSM faceoff, yeah. and then there was one um, a few years back. I don't I know if it was a top Joe five. Fletcher. Though I was thinking like Joe Fletcher or something. It would have been something like yeah. that. Um, do either of you guys ha- have any any takes about the the All America list that that came out? Um, I, I nah. think, yeah, I think I do. I think they botched it. I don't think any Duke guy should have been on the first team. I thought, I thought, they, I thought it was awful. I thought Entman was a first-team All-American. I thought Pat Caff was a first-team All-American. And I thought Brett McCarr should have been over JT Giles-Harris. And Tyler Cook should have been first-team All-American. Boom. 
Oh, I mean, I, Nikai, those are those are those are off the top yet. Those are those are spicy. Nakai has one goal per game. I mean, he's a great player, but I don't know. I know. I, I no. I I agree with that. I think he's a great midfielder, but I mean, one goal a game speaks for itself. Um, I think that I thought it was just hilarious that you know there's so many good attackmen that Ryan Tierney yeah. was third team. Yeah. It's just like wait, wait, it's that's unreal to me. I think I think that's it's just all fun, all of it, because those you take those three teams of guys and they could all they could you could make teams out of those for years, right? Yeah. Just powerhouses. Um, that's the best the preseason awards when they like rank the attackmen. It's always like the top attackman from the year before. <laughs> like they're like how is Mac O'Keefe a third team all-american it's like well pre-season it's like he's without Grant Amit who's like been yep. feeding him for four years and as you know college across they got really good offensive players it's, it's yep. kind of fun you guys should watch it sometime yeah I um all right I'm, I'm with you on that Tanner Cook assessment so yeah Tanner I, Cook's beast mode yeah I, I was I think- trying to get Bundy out but he's really good yeah, I, I, w- I would maybe... That's a tough one to leave out. Yeah. His name pushed him through for me. <laughs> it is a, it is a quality uh, name. Sounds like a guy who... Danny McBuckets. Who, who does some, some either taxes or some sort of like insurance adjusting. Um, yeah, Tanner Cook in there, maybe over Nakai. Um, but I think, yeah, this is going to be an issue for... All American teams for quite some time because you know we're we're hearing about all these guys who are going back for their extra year. So um, just so much talent in college across is staying in college across. So uh, it's it's just a flood of studs. Um, so yeah, get get used to getting pissed off about all American teams even more than you already have because there are simply way too many freaks uh, playing this game right now. So way too much talent on the field for all this uh and we still have so much more talent to watch over the next few weekends here so we've got the quarterfinals coming up next weekend and then after that it is straight to memorial day weekend for the final four so we have what seven games left of college across this season so come mm-hmm. in boys and girls soak them all in because you never know when we'll get them back. Hopefully February of next year, but still. Um, Yeah, so we will be back on Friday with our quarterfinal preview show. Uh, And in the meantime, make sure that you are following us on social at The Crease Dive on Twitter and Instagram, and keep it low to high to the day we die. We out. It kills me not to know this, but I've all but just forgotten what the color of her eyes were. And her scars or how she got them has the telling signs of age rain down. A single tear is dropping to the valleys of an aging face that this world has forgotten.